Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 761. I did a thing with toast. It's a panel. It's my first ever panel, and it was great. Here it is. And so we had to cut a couple of things that don't travel well and that we weren't going to be really proud about the product once it got home. But we've tried really hard to make sure that everything that they remember, those tastes that, uh, that remind them of, of more convenient times in life, that they're still available during this time. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Not all of us were created with that creative bone in our body. We just don't have that artistic ability. I'm definitely one of those people. So when I need some creative work done, I look to 99designs. 99designs, whether you are looking to get your business online, strengthen your social media presence, or if you're exploring a new way to engage with your customers, 99designs, they have a creative solution for you. So to learn more right now, I suggest heading to 99designs.com slash unstoppable. When you use that link, you'll save $20 off your first design contest. Again, that's 99designs.com slash unstoppable. What are you doing right now? I'll tell you what you're doing if you're in the market for a new POS. You're headed to toasttab.com slash unstoppable to set up your own demo, and you're going to find out why it's the most recommended POS on the show by a landslide. Guys, if you use my link, not only will you get the incentives that Toast is offering you by using the link I'll also share my commission with you. I'll split my commission with you 50-50 after taxes. That's about $2,000. So I'll send you a check for $1,000 to say thank you and to help support you during these weird times. Again, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And Seven Shifts is trusted by over 400,000 restaurant professionals because it gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.sevenshifts.com slash unstoppable that's the number seven s-h-i-f-t-s dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free what's going on unstoppable so earlier this week i did a thing with toast pos they invited me to host a panel on their platform uh the panel was specifically about online ordering and delivery uh, to prepare for the what seems like an, ine- an, an inevitable additional shutdown coming up this winter. So if you haven't made any switches in your business to uh, adapt to online ordering and delivery or to do it better and to really streamline the process, I highly recommend you listen to this episode or maybe there's a way you can do it better. We share a lot of best practices specifically around uh packaging, uh, marketing, and just operations in general when it comes to off-boarding people from third-party delivery and takeout options to your own personal system, uh, in this case, Toast. 
this is a collaboration with toast. And the, one of the reasons why I agreed to do this episode is because one of my core values, and actually I'm going to go ahead and read all the core values. I've been working on these core values and I haven't really debuted them until now. I, I kind of want to do a bonus episode where I really dive into these core values and why I chose these core values to represent restaurant unstoppable, specifically restaurant unstoppable network. And these are the core values to our community, to our, our, um, our entity, our, our organization, what it is I'm trying to build. These are the core values and like any culture, like any group of people, you need a set of core values. So the core values I've come up with here, they are, I won't get into detail. Uh, we have integrity. We are students. We educate, we collaborate, we communicate, we show up, we have fun. So this, these core values is what are, or will be what I'm building or I should say what I am building restaurant unstoppable network around. And I really want you guys to be a part of this. But the reason why I'm bringing these core values to you right now in these opening thoughts is because one of our core values is collaboration is working with other people and coming together for a common cause for a common goal for a common good. And I feel like that's what we did today with toast. That's why I'm collaborating with toast. Um, they needed a moderator. I have lots of experience doing or hosting these conversations. Uh, so they reached out to me and I was more than happy to do this. And, they're letting me share the conversation with you again, the power of collaboration, the power of winning or, or creating win-win situations, uh, being efficient in the work you do. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy today's show. Again, we'll be talking about how to evolve your restaurant specifically around online ordering and delivery. And uh, this, this conversation isn't necessarily specific to toast. Uh, I think you can take a lot of what we discussed today and apply it to multiple different platforms. Again, toast is by far the most recommended POS on the show. And uh, I'm just basically collaborating and leaning into the relationships my guests are recommending and finding these people and just trying to strengthen the bond. So that's kind of what's happening today is it's, this is an example of me walking the walk, leaning into the, the relationships that are being recommended on the show and trying to, to, to use my relationships to add value to you in your life. So I hope you enjoy it. Here it is. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Um, my name is Kevin Hamilton. I'm the senior vice president of marketing here at Toast. And I'd love to welcome you to the third installment of our restaurant recovery series. Today's topic is optimizing digital ordering. How you can save time and money with takeout and delivery. And we've got a great discussion plan today. So let me introduce our moderator, our panelists, and some of the topics that we'll cover during today's session. Our moderator today is Eric Cacciatore, who runs the restaurant industry podcast. Many of you are likely familiar with Restaurant Unstoppable. During the last seven years, he's interviewed over 750 restaurateurs. He's joined today by three amazing panelists, Bruno Salazar of Rosa Toro and Don Pollo in New York City, Doug Brown of Buckhorn Grill with locations all over California, and Josh Buffer of Toast New American Gastro Pub in Richmond, Virginia. Eric will focus today's discussion on three areas in particular. First, we'll cover menu management, and the adjustments that these operators have taken to create a menu that is takeout and delivery friendly. Then we'll move on to discussing marketing. <laughs> and finally, we'll cover customer education and the steps you can take to encourage guests to order straight from you, saving you both time and money on third-party commissions. We'll have a Q&A period at the end. So if you have any questions for our panelists, please submit them through the Q&A module on the bottom of your screen at any time during today's discussion. Now, before I hand it off to Eric, 
Let me set up the discussion with some perspective on the trends we're seeing across the Toast community. With nearly 40,000 restaurants on the Toast platform, we have unique visibility into the performance of the independent restaurant community as a whole and can identify using actual year-over-year location-level sales data how restaurants are performing along with the tools they're using. Now, as we all know, COVID-19 has had a devastating impact on the restaurant community. During the initial statewide shutdowns, year-over-year sales for the restaurant industry actually decreased virtually overnight by nearly 80%. We also know that while the industry has recovered, increasing case counts and shifting state regulations will set us all up for a challenging winter ahead. As a result of COVID-19, we've also all experienced a rapid transformation as online ordering, third-party delivery, and e-commerce in general has become not only critically important to our survival, but business as usual for our guests. If you take a look at this chart that shows the percent of restaurant sales that are dine-in versus takeout and delivery, while we anticipate dine-in sales to further recover in the spring, this also shows that takeout and delivery will make up a greater percentage of our sales in the future. Guest behavior has simply changed. And guest expectations for us in the industry have begun to shift as well. On this next slide, as you can see here, guest preferences and the definition of hospitality is literally shifting under our feet. Safety is an incredibly important part of the service that we now offer. And because of this, contactless is a major theme when it comes to the experiences the guests expect to have when visiting your restaurant online or in person, no matter if you're fine dining, quick service, or anything in between. Now, to better understand how these technologies are enabling restaurants to navigate COVID, we took a look at actual restaurant performance on the Toast platform. For this analysis, our data science team looked at restaurants uh, cohorted by prior year sales so we could understand how these individual cohorts are performing. And when certain technologies are used, how these restaurants perform relative to peers without that technology. What we found is that restaurants who have embraced the digital transformation of their business are faring better than their peer group. For example, in the upper left-hand corner, you can see that restaurants with less than $500,000 in annual sales during 2019 who are using Toast Online Ordering have sales that are on average 14% higher than restaurants without it in 2020. We also found that regardless of restaurant size, we know that online ordering is now critical to restaurant performance with sales that average 12 to 14% higher on average when compared to restaurants without online ordering, regardless of prior year sales. Now, what's interesting is the same can be said for many of the technologies on this chart across marketing and delivery. Now, finally, today's session is just part of our months long effort to help you prepare to navigate the winter and set yourself up for success in 2021. So I wanna thank you for taking the time to be with us today. We'll hope you join us for our final event on December 2nd. And with that, let me turn it over to you, Eric. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Thank you for that awesome introduction. And before I get started, I just wanna say thank you to Dahlia, Kevin, and the Toast team for including me in today's conversation. Uh, it's an honor to be a part of restaurant tours coming together and sharing knowledge. We go further together, something I like to say, and you guys are absolutely marching to that beat right now. So let's bring it first to the conversation uh, uh, around menu engineering, menu development. I mean, we all had to evolve our menus over the past, what, going down eight months now, 10 months now, starting with Bruno, you have two concepts, one fast casual, one more fine casual dining concept. How have you pivoted 
both those menus to really evolve into today's market? So one of the biggest things for one of the more comfort food type menu is that we want to make it really approachable for our clients to order. We changed our way that we handle delivery. We've changed the bag so the travels better. We changed the containers. We have changed, reduced our menu. We all have different items that we try all the time, whether it's a special, whether it's something that the chef created the day before or the day that's a special celebration. We don't want to deliver something that will not deliver or be at your table and it's fresh and it's great, correct? So our menu has greatly been reduced on the comfort food restaurant. And on the other restaurant, which is a bit more new proving cuisine slash upscale food, we have to bring a bit more of a comfort family type meal and combos to make things work during the pandemic. All right. So let's go in a little bit deeper um, with your, your fast casual. You said you had to evolve. Uh, you, you narrowed it down. Uh, what's the difference between the fast casual here and, and the more casual or fine dining? Um, why did you choose to, I guess, maintain the fine dining, but narrow down the fast casual? So the, so the fast dining, we actually reduced the menu as well. We did it okay. on both. And on the one that is a bit different, a more upscale one, we wanted to bring it up down a notch to make sure that it's more approachable for families. So because the other one was already really approachable, high volume, it's really inexpensive to get a meal. A combo is like $30. You can feed a family of four. So it's already up, really accessible for people. But what we did there, we removed the one, the overcomplicated items that don't deliver well. Okay. So really get into the benefits of these decisions you made and why they're, or how they're impacting your business. Correct. So just by default, by reducing the menu, we have a huge increase of making things easier in terms of logistics. It's really easy to train new folks as we want to hire more people, we want to avoid have the need to train overcomplicated things. At the same time, we also get the most out of working with our purveyors because we're, lim- we're ordering limited uh, amount yeah. of, of merchandise. Got you. And I know, uh, Doug, w- with, with uh, Buckhorns, you guys focused to really pivot and focus more on the family meals and kits. Really take us through that decision-making process and why you went that direction. Yeah, so one of the things that we recognize is a lot of people were just getting burned out with cooking at home too. So anything that we could do to provide the ease for um, our, our guests when it comes to ordering was important to us. So prior to COVID, we actually had um, already kind of themed days in place with, uh, we called it Piggy Tuesdays, where it'd be anything that was pork related. We had a specific um, uh, day kind of called out. We had family um, feast Mondays. Uh, already. So it's kind of like a combination of all of our different types of meats. And just so everybody knows, we're a barbecue, uh, fast casual style place. And so what we did was is kind of pivot a little bit and created four meals um, based off of kind of the menu that we already had. Um, and we, to, to what Bruno did too, we also eliminated some items to make it a lot easier from logistics, not only for ourselves, uh, but also for the guests when they got it at home. So when we did that, it allowed us to put together packages that were uh, easy to reheat as well. Uh, so as, as folks were, and we would, we would include little instruction, um, you know, like a, a cards essentially with every single meal. So the folks knew how to either reheat it, cook it, whatever it may have been based off of the selection that they chose. And we felt like, I mean, that was overnight that became our number one seller. Um, and so we obviously stuck a lot of our time in doing that. Um, whether, whether it was, um, you know, I would say 
whether it was proteins or sides, uh, we made sure that what we had available for people uh, was just easy, period. We just wanted to make things easy because everything else right now was so hard. So the big things I'm, I'm pulling from that, one, make sure they're family friendly and two, make sure that they, they are easily reheated. So I mean, what specific things should we be keeping in mind when we're planning for the future, going into the winter um, around family oriented meals and preheated meals, any other like specific things that we should consider when really planning for the future and, and engineering these menus? Well, I mean, to go to kind of piggyback on what Bruno said is, is the logistics for your team. Make sure that, that you know, what you're doing isn't hurting your team because you don't want to burn them out either. Um, but also at the same time, you want to spice it up and keep things going. Obviously, for a lot of us, we're kind of transitioning back into what was in March and April and kind of going back to it. So for us, we've now reintroduced um, new spices, new sauces, things like that that kind of eliminate the burnout to our guests, but yet the protein stays the same or the sides still to stay the same. Uh, we added some new proteins actually, ironically enough for this, this round. Um, and we're going to deploy them uh, this week to see how well they perform. But I mean, they're kind of relative to other proteins that we have. They're just a, a different spinoff of it. So I would just say the more that we're able to, um, you know, just be, just have these packages available that even can be customizable because we're also recognizing that people like to create their own. So uh, being able to do, you know, I mean, that's, I think what mod pizza and a lot of those other folks Chipotle have been so successful with is the create your own mentality. Everybody likes to have their own touch on what they, what they make. So having a package at least that gives people a somewhat of a spectrum for them to do that, I think is very important as well. Okay. Um, so I mean, is, is there a way to get the, 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 the win? I feel like both sides of that, because I'm hearing that you got to focus on simplicity and uh, convenience. Can you do convenience and simplicity while having that many types of options? Is that something that you've been able to find balance in? And if so, like what, how did you do that? I mean, that's a great question. I think that a lot of it just depends on the items that you have um, and, and finding that, because I don't think there's a streamlined answer to that in the sense that because what I serve is entirely different than what a fine dining place would serve. So it's truly just finding, you know, looking at your menu mix and figure out what is, what is your sellers, right? And then figure out the logistics to where that can be a win for, for you and them. Um, yeah. It's I, sorry. I just don't know if there's a really cook and cut. No, no I'm, I'm loving that. And I think that knowing what your, your unique selling proposition is, is really important too. And really working that into the, the equation for what's right for you going into the winter, because you, you know, you got to do what you do best. Right. And I think that, um, you know, if you have limited resources, limited bandwidth, you really need to put that energy into doing what you do best. So I kind of, I can get behind that thought. Uh, Josh, is there anything that we haven't mentioned yet that you feel like is relative to the evolution of the menus um, and pivoting during this time? We took a little bit of a different approach, Eric, at, at Toast, uh, New American Gastropub. We have been a neighborhood place that's focused on serving families in a two-mile radius in Richmond for the last 10 years. And we really focused on making as many things on our menu available in the way that our guests remember it as possible. And so we had to cut a couple of things that don't travel well and that we weren't going to be really proud about the product once it got home. But we've tried really hard to make sure that everything that they remember, those tastes that, uh, that remind them of, of more convenient times in life, that they're still available during this time. Yeah. Arnie, 
other thoughts around how you guys have evolved your menu and pivoted your menu, your menu, your menu engineering over the past few months before we go into the next topic. All right, cool. So Josh, you have the mic. I'm going to, I'm going to let you maintain the mic or retain the mic uh, because I think what you mentioned it just now, the importance of how well your food travels and really putting thought into how your food travels. So on the topic of marketing, uh, I think that we need to get into that conversation of uh, basically packaging and, and how packaging affects your customer, the end user. So what have you guys done to really take that into consideration, that packaging into consideration? The first thing we did was we we took our menu items and we kind of war roomed those in the dining room after the dining room was closed. We took the packaging that we had on hand. We went to Restaurant Depot uh, and, and grabbed a, a wide variety of items and kind of shook them up and beat them up and and tried to mimic what was going to happen as they were carry, being carried home either by our guests in a carryout scenario or in a, in a curbside scenario or by a third-party delivery driver or ultimately our own delivery drivers later on. And we began to customize the packaging, the box or the bag or the cup for each individual item to ensure its best quality transfer to home or to the office. And uh, that, as you can imagine, brought in a lot more SKUs of packaging. For a long time, we looked like a packing warehouse in our dining room as we started to hone that in. Um, some things to consider are, is venting good or bad? For our French fries, we needed those to be vented. So they're in a cup in a small bag with the condiment um, for things that are, that are, are have a tendency to get messy um, like a, a gnocchi pasta. Those are in a clamshell that locks down. And so just think about if this thing gets jostled around in the car, which it's going to um, what's ultimately going to happen to it. Head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable to find out why Toast POS is the number one recommended POS on the show by a landslide. So there's a bunch of reasons why Toast is being recommended on the show, but I'm finding the most common reason is because of their customer support. And now, while I don't think you'll need their customer support all the time, it when that Friday night rolls around and there is a question you have and you're busy, you're going to wish you were able to get right into that customer support and they will be there for you. Uh, the other reason why Toast is always being recommended on the show is because of how many other platforms integrate with Toast. So you can literally marry all the technologies in your company together. They'll, they'll work together. They integrate together and you can turn on these additional features as you need them. It's like flipping a switch. It's that easy. So that's why I love toast. That's why my guests love toast. And again, if you want to learn more, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, I'll send you a check for a thousand dollars when you become a customer. We also found later on that the availability of the packaging packaging that we liked wasn't always there. Um, some of the supply issues that we experienced and everything started to come into play. So we began stocking up on those. We uh, used Websterant a lot. We've gone to Restaurant Depot. We've used our relationship with Performance Food Group. And we stock up weeks in advance because a disruption in just that one thing can cause us to be chasing our tails on a, on a weekend instead of doing our, our primary jobs. Um, we went with stickers to, to label everything to make it easier to distribute things without everyone having to open boxes. You imagine at, a, at an office, we don't want everybody popping the clamshell open to see what's there. So we've got stickers with names of the dishes. Um, and one of, our, one of our partners in DC actually with Toast Point of Sale was able to match a, a sticker printer, which is something we're considering. So if you're, if you're using Toast Point of Sale, 
you can get a printer for the expo screen to print out a sticker that you can slap right on the bag. So that's a, a nice, uh, convenient way to do that. Um, the last thing I would mention is figure out on your dishes whether you, there are any ingredients you would want to separate. Some of those juicy condiments, which make things so good, um, can help can can break down your dish. And some of those things we decided to separate out into a ramekin or a bowl or a, or a separate container. Yeah. So the big overarching message I'm getting from you, Josh, is this idea. It's not, it's not just you know getting the food there, but it, you're also taking into consideration what's the experience around receiving this food going to be like. And you're just like you would be taking care of and, and anticipating needs within your restaurant. You need to anticipate the needs of your guests at home and what might make their life more convenient and safer. Really, right now too. Um, That's right. So. Uh, Bruno or Doug, I'm curious, before we move on to another chapter within the, the marketing realm, uh, anything you want to compound or share to kind of go deeper into this idea of packaging and how packaging is really marketing at the end of the day? Correct. Uh, I can go first if you want, Doug, or you want to go? Go for it, Bruno. All right. So one of the things that we did, just like uh, Josh did, is we wanted to analyze the package that we were using. And we were using some metallic containers and the lid will always break. So as we, as our delivery and offering started increasing and our indoor dining started decreasing. We wanted to focus on that. So we, what we did, we changed the bags. We put our logo. We made it a bit more resistant. We changed the container to be perfect for each item that we sell without going crazy and getting 20 types of containers, but rather like six or seven that always we always can reuse for multiple things. And like Josh said, we want to make sure that it survived the delivery, right? At the same time, I think, especially for the type of business that Don Pollo is, which is a Peruvian rotisserie chicken place, there's so many competitions. There's so much competitions around Queens, especially over 200 Peruvian restaurants. How do we make a difference? How do we change the way that people perceive us? So the bags, the branding on the bags helped. Also labeling the containers, like similar to when you get a container, you order the same thing. Doug and I order the same thing. It's nice to know that Doug says no egg and it has his name on it. And, and mine doesn't. Those little details, I feel, have played a big role in how clients perceive us, saying we get the usual tag that says, well-packaged, well-delivered. And that's really good, especially nowadays where the actually trend is going upwards in New York City and around the U.S. on delivery. It's something we need to pay attention to, and I yeah. think it is worth it. Yeah. And Bruno, I love that you, you pulled out the significance of branding, not just the experience and how these things are being shipped and how they're being experienced at home, but also it's a great opportunity to get your brand out there to, to throw it. Like, so how are you putting your brand on your packaging? Is it a sticker? Is it a stamp? Is it, are you purchasing it straight from the vendor? I, with have, the, I have been purchasing it straight for the vendor. I okay. have one, one of the directors of, of the, of the hospitality group has come up with a design for it. And so funny, I follow this artist his name is First, and he posted a picture of his family eating. And all of a sudden, I see the Don Pollo bag, which is the restaurant, in the, in the, in the table. And I was like, there wow, that's pretty cool. So branding does matter. And Absolutely. I think Even seeing trash. trash on the streets, you know, and we don't want to see trash on the streets. <laughs> it's not what I'm suggesting, but it's branding right there, like on the sidewalk. Dory Trashway, side note. Um, J- Doug, anything that we haven't brought up regarding packaging that's worth bringing to the conversation? I just think that they, they both the gentlemen hit up right on the, the, the nail on the head. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to make sure if you can, whether it's through a vendor or a sticker, like get your brand out there so that people are able to see, because I always, I also look at it from the transportation perspective. For example, it's, you're not making an impact just on the people who just ordered from you, but anybody that's seen that bag leave, 
the restaurant might resonate with them later. The dash driver or third-party deliver driver might make the impact to use it again. Um, and then I, for us, we also went a little bit uh, more and created um, cards that we stuck inside every takeout order. So whether whether it was um, a to-go order from a guest or a third-party delivery, we had um, a, a, a three-by-five card or you can make it any side you want. But on one side of it was a thank you note that said, thank you so much for choosing Buckhorn for your dining experience. We know that there's other options, but we appreciate you supporting us at this time. Wow. And then and then we digitized my owner's autograph or signature, excuse me, and we made it essentially from him. So on one side of that card, it was the owner saying, thank you so much for choosing Buckhorn. Um, and then the other side, it was uh, one of two things. One, it was either join our loyalty program that we had just revamped and launched um, that provided people with a bunch of information on how to do that with our mobile app. And then the second one was um, I mentioned our takeout fees a few moments ago. We actually labeled out the takeout fees and what were in those so that people would reorder those as well. So in addition to the packaging, we did that to kind of customize every experience that left our door. Yeah. I love this. All great um, additional advice. Thank you guys for getting into that. Um, now on the topic of marketing and in a different vertical, um, you know, one of those, those seven P's or four P's, whichever one you're looking to is definitely people and around people, it's community, it's relationships. So one thing you do really well, Bruno, is you've created great community around your restaurants. How has that served you? It has served really well. I think a lot of times we have to integrate with the community and people who are part of the community appreciate that. Uh, one of the things that we've done is that during the COVID time, especially for Rosatora and Don Boyo, we have delivered free food for the, the hospitals. We didn't advertise it as much, but all of a sudden people knew that we did it because somebody else posted it. And that grew the community and grew the fact that they're also supporting, back, supporting us back. That was really great. Yeah. Um, in, in previous conversations, you mentioned something that, that you know has served you well in building community is focusing on what matters to you. So give us some examples of some of the things that matter to you and how you've used those things to build community around your restaurant. Sure. So one of the reasons why I joined the hospitality industry uh, was because I wanted to create a restaurant that was fully accessible. When I went to Puerto Rico once, uh, I was with my girlfriend there. And a group of folks joined the restaurant, joined the bar, and they were isolated. And they didn't understand why. It turns out that there was a group of folks who only spoke sign language, were not going to communicate with people. So I was like, dang, they couldn't communicate. They didn't feel, feel well. And I know being in a wheelchair myself, sometimes we don't have the accessibility that we want when we go to restaurants. You want to go to the restroom, but there's a full pack of people. So we chose Rosatoro to be a fully accessible restaurant and every single wall rolls up to allow people to come in with their wheelchairs. We did events like International Wheelchair Day. We had a plan to coach our staff to do sign language, minimal stuff, but COVID has put a you know, shelf that for now. But that's the idea. We built a community based on the principles and what we believe in as a culture. And that's why I did it. And people, some people don't like it. Some people love it. They want to participate. They want to be part of your restaurant. And that's great. 
Yeah. And this is something that comes up a lot on Restaurant Unstoppable, the podcast is this idea behind every great restaurant is a great person. So really do some like self-reflection. What matters the most to you? What what are you passionate about and how can you inject that into your restaurant and literally make it an extension of who you are? I think it makes beyond just marketing and, and appealing to people. I think it also helps you to show up to work every day when it's more than just serving people and, and feeding people, but really serving their souls, right? And, and serving your own soul by, by tying what's important to you. Um, what about collaborations? I know you mentioned too, you collaborate with other restaurants and how is that served with marketing? The collaborations that we have created were with other chefs. Once they, you know, when you do something and you're completely true to what you are, like you said, it's an extension of yourself, an extension of the culture. People just find out. And there's another chef really famous that wanted to work with us as part of that. So we did a video through marketing. It's one chef, my, the chef from Rosatoro and the chef from this other place called Mission Ceviche. And both of us were creating new dishes called the New Peruvian Cuisine. And it was really fun video that we put on Instagram, so on YouTube. And it was a take of both chefs working together, creating different items. And I thought it was really cool. Doug, real quick um, on this note of, of marketing, one thing we've identified you as doing really well is social media and creating video. So what has been your strategy around creating video and, and content to promote what you got going on with your business? Uh, I, you know, one thing we try to do is, is try to connect with our audience. So we obviously know what our audience is through our analytics and, and you know, using Google uh, analytics as much as we possibly can. And so we, we kind of identified it as a, right now our core audience is a 30-year-old um, millennial mom, uh, usually has one or two kids. Uh, and I think for the majority of us, um, we can kind of identify that those are a lot, those are usually our decision makers in home. And so uh, what we did was uh, I have, a, I have a family. I've, I'm married with two children, uh, four and two. And we created a video that was, in my opinion, realistic of what is the experience going to be if you go to Buckhorn? And now just so everybody knows, we're not, a, we're not a fast food chain, so we don't have drive-thrus. Uh, but we created our own drive-thrus in the majority of our locations so that people could, you know, we, we pivoted with that experience a little bit. So that way it's, you know, con- contactless at, at the very minimum. And so we created a video of my ordering process from start to the very end when you get your food. And then I included my family with me. So we, we filmed every element of me doing the order to all of us getting in the car, uh, to us driving you know, to when, what you do when you pull into one of our locations to, to, to call to get your food, um, to us going home and, and shoving our faces. So we try to provide that, you know, connection that, hey, look, this is your family and you can do the same thing. Um, and we felt like that that went really well. Now, um, in addition to that, we all also teamed up with other influencers and stuff like that to kind of do their own experiences. Um, whether, you know, man, woman, 60 to 18, uh, just so that we are capturing um, everybody and not, you know, alienating a specific uh, audience. Uh, and we just kind of, we kind of dropped them here or there, depending on what was going on, either through a story or for the, our feeds. Um, and and they, they, they seem to be pretty fun because people started to copy some of the idea and do it under themselves. So it kind of to catch fire with others, um, uh, that our guests, they started recording themselves doing things, which was kind of fun. So it was cool to see that element of of um, uh, of our marketing come to life. 
Yeah. So a couple of key things I want to pull from that. One, it's as simple as showing your work. If you're going through all the effort to accommodate your your guests and to make life easier for them to, so they can access your food easier, show them what you're doing. Show the work you've done to make their lives better. Just open the window to to that work you've done, right? And it sounds like that's what you're doing. And I also love this idea of really thinking with the end in mind, thinking about who your audience is and not trying to leave anybody, anybody who's in your target market out and like reverse engineering that and really making it, you know, who, like, who is this going to appeal to and starting the video with knowing who you're going to have that appeal to. I think that's great advice. Uh, Josh, anything around marketing, um, social media uh, promotion that you guys are doing that hasn't been shared yet that you think needs to be brought to the conversation? No, I don't think so. I, I like the, the the things I'm hearing from from these guys, and um, you know, posting about what you're doing each day is just is a big deal. We um, on the on the giving away food front, it's still it's hard during this time when our our finances are so crunched. But we tried to stick with our commitment to give away some food to people who were who needed it. And one of the ways we did this, and this was very successful for us, is we reached out to our existing customers and asked them to nominate heroes or groups that were, that were of essential workers who were still out there having to work during some of the stay at home orders. And we delivered food to those, to those groups directly and fed them. And, and so we tying together our guests and allowing them to help us to identify folks that they appreciated in the community. It was a group of teachers. It was a group of mental health workers manning a call center nearby in our County. Um, Obviously, we, we visited some firefighters and some and some other essential workers, and it was just a really nice way to connect um, through our food folks who were who were experiencing different types of of the the pandemic stress. Yeah, um, one thing before we move on to the next subject that I think is really important to talk about, and I just mentioned before, showing your work, and Josh, you're you're even you know further unpackaging that idea of just literally getting out there talking to people and then showing what you're doing. How do you guys find that balance between showing your work um, and promoting what you're doing, but also not doing things just for the sake of doing them so you can show your work? Does that make sense? Like, how do you find that, that, how do you not come off as just trying to show people what you're doing for the sake of doing the right thing? But how do you make it come off as sincere? Like, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Has that been a balance? Have you seen, do you, do you understand what I'm talking about? Does anybody want to take this question? I, I don't I'll speak first. If it Go for it, Doug. You know, one thing that we did is if we were partnering with a specific entity, um, and I say partnering first before I say, you know, kind of donating second, is if we're if we know that we're collaborating with somebody, I try to get them to post first. Um, and that way, that way, it's a little more authentic and organic uh, per se. Uh, and, and but if it's something that we're showcasing ourselves, I stick our family, I stick our family, I say our family, our Buckhorn family um, in the photo with them. Um, so that it does seem like, hey, we made a stop today to, to, to rally um, our first responders or to um, support our, our teachers when they're coming, you know, foot, you know, take care of our kids. So we went that direction. And I'll let Josh and, and Brandon speak there. Yeah. Do you guys want to compound on that? Um, Josh, we, you're, you're muted. Go for it. We probably do a bad job of um, of picking up all the things. But if if what you're doing is sincere and you're doing it because you mean it, and then if, if you're, if you're meant to get credit, you'll get credit. So yeah. we don't think about that. We, we do what comes from the heart and what comes around, we, we assume will be just more good from the world. I love it. Anything to add Bruno? Or are you good? Um, similar to what they both said. It's like, for me, it's like, don't overthink it. Just do what you always do. There's no secret that, 
the economy is suffering from COVID-19. This is a time of adversity. You need to level up. You need to figure out new ways to make your business work, like adapting with new takeaway options or at-home dining experiences. And design is a huge part of that. That is why we're partnering with 99designs. And if you are listening to this and you are still hanging on and, and you're, you've gotten lean and you're doing all you can to, to evolve and adapt your business and you just have nothing left in the tank for creativity or you don't even have the people on your team to delegate to because you're such a skeleton crew, but you, you need to have that online presence, it's a kind of a catch-22. Well, if you're like, how the hell am I going to do this? Here's how you're going to do it. You're going to do it with 99designs. 99designs is a creative platform that connects people and businesses with graphic designers and creative professionals around the world. There's two ways to work with 99designs. First, you can run a contest. So basically, you just have a bunch of artists and designers working on your creative project. You go back and forth, you get different iterations, you get feedback, you select your winner, and that's it. That's the contest. Or the second way you work with 99designs is by doing a one-on-one project. You get matched with the perfect designer for you. You guys bring the idea to life, and from start to finish, you work with that person. You can negotiate pricing directly with the designer, and you can work with them one-on-one until your design is complete. So whichever way is right for you go check out 99designs for your creative solution today and when you use this link www.99designs.com unstoppable right now you will get $20 off your first design contest that's the contest not the one-on-one project again that's www.99designs.com unstoppable Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure your profitability and restaurant success. Trusted by over 400 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you already use and trust like toast, turning labor into a competitive advantage for you and your business to get three months absolutely free. Head over to www.sevenshifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S.com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Get on it. All right, time to switch gears one more time. Um, and so specifically around online ordering, it's a big, like it's no secret that there's a lot of controversy around this idea of third-party folks um, taking away from our profit. Um, and what we need to be doing is learn, is educating and training our, our guests to order straight from our own platform. Um, so what are some of the things, starting with Josh, uh, what are some of the things that you've done to direct your customers to order straight from you? So we, we, like I'm sure everyone's tried, we are, we've got bag stuffers and thank you notes and we're constantly altering what we're putting in the bag to make sure that they, whether they're, whether that bag's being delivered by a 30 party delivery company or by ourselves, we're making sure that they remember where to go to order directly from us. The second thing that we've done is we've held some special events. 
like a, a special Mother's Day brunch menu was extremely popular. We had a Father's Day brunch menu that was extremely popular. Those are things that they can only get through our direct channel. They can't get that through the third-party delivery, and it helps us to to connect tighter with those. I drive, I've driven deliveries myself, um, and one of the ways you know, it's just something that I can do to make sure I to understand the experience. And then ultimately, as we got more comfortable with the process some of the servers that we hadn't been able to bring back to work, we invited them to come back and start driving the deliveries for us. The key thing on that is that when I take a bag out to the front and hand it to a a Grubhub driver or an Uber driver, I don't know what the process is in that person's vehicle. I don't know who that person's interacting with. And and I assume that most of them are doing a great job. But what I know for sure about my staff is that my guys are being screened on a daily basis. I know their vehicles are clean. I know that they have hand sanitizer. They've got the PPE that they need to exchange in the vehicle while they're delivering. And by being able to make that commitment to our guests that the food is being safely prepared, safely bagged, and safely transferred, it builds that additional loyalty and, and uh, trust. Okay. So the big things I'm pulling from that, give, give your people um, some kind of bag suffer. That, can you give me an example real quick of what, what you're putting in the bag? Is it a card? Is it like what's on that card? Don't go too into this, but just kind of really just paint that picture real quick. It's whatever's coming up. It, it always starts with thank you very much for supporting us during this time. And then it, and then it is uh, happy holidays. We're planning this kid's giveaway or, or we're planning this big brunch event or, gluten-free fried chicken is still on Fridays, you know, so we're, so we're just looking ahead to whatever that next interaction would be in promoting it. Okay. And I'm assuming on that stuff, there's also instructions on how to order. That's right. That's right. right. Beautiful. And that, and, um, special offers that you can only get going through your portals. And then lastly, recognizing that you have more control over doing it in-house. So taking advantage of that and training your people, making sure they're presentable when they're delivering the food and coaching them to be a little bit more high touch. Those are big takeaways. Exactly. All right. Beautiful. Um, Bruno, anything to add that hasn't come out of the conversation to this point? I think uh, Josh mentioned most of them. That's exactly similar to what we're doing. Beautiful. Any little details that you think could maybe really paint that picture a little finer or drive it home? I think something that both Josh and Doc mentioned is the having that connection with the client, being able to say thank you. So I'm pretty sure everybody gets a delivery, they get a flyer, being able to create that connection to understand why they should order directly from you and not somebody else. That's one. Two, like similar to what Doug did, we, we did it with, with the owner. We were doing that with the folks at the premise, writing a small notes with a pen saying, thank you from let's say uh, Maria, whoever works there, like know from them that usually when they come over to that place, they interact with them because they're there. So you know who you came from. So that's something that's really similar to what Doug did and what Josh did as well. I love that. And um, anything else, Doug, that hasn't been mentioned that you want to add as far as getting people off of those third parties and ordering directly from you? Yeah, so we obviously have, um, we manage, we don't do delivery in-house ourselves. We used our partners to do that. But one thing that we did was um, with there's with DoorDash specifically, there's a program called Dash Drive. It's their white label service. If you're not familiar with that yet, it's a direct integration with Toast um, and other partners as well. And it, it's a flat fee. So it, it could be, you know, anywhere between I've seen the lowest at five, the highest at 750. You know, make sure you get closer to five if you can. Um, but what you're able to do is then control the, the delivery costs and the commissions 
quote unquote paid out. So it allows you to dictate what the, the consumer is paying. Um, it also allows you to control your costs on commissions. Uh, but we don't advertise whatsoever that we are on any third party marketplace because they obviously have their own individual percentages there. We advertise that you're going to save 20% if you order through our website, even though it's fulfilled by our third party partner. No one sees that. Uh, they just know that DoorDash is delivering when they show up. But otherwise, we are driving people to go to our website because of multiple factors. One, we want to retain their customer information and not share it with third-party delivery. Two, we want to pass the savings over to them. Three, I want to make sure I can get them into our loyalty program so that I can remarket to them later. Um, and so by doing that, we've offered double the points if you order through us versus you know you getting no points if you do it through a third party. Um, and we can dictate those days. We can dictate those times. I know there was a question um, that populated is how do you grow lunch sales? I see that on there. You know, I, I was able to grow our lunch sales by by strategically doing double the points from 11 o'clock to 3 o'clock. Um, or you could do triple the points. Whatever your reward program that you currently have that allows you to do the functionality, that's one way of doing it. Um you know, and then by, by doing that for us, we saw a decrease of um, 9 to 10% now off of third party and increase by that same amount on our own um, website. So we've seen our, our sales get transferred, but yet we've made more money because now we're controlling the percentages that are coming through from a, um, from a commission perspective. I love this. I love this a lot. And I think one of the big things we need to do in a big effort in educating or getting people from, you know, away from these third parties and ordering straight through our own sites and our own tools is educating them, but not just educating them on the why, but also what's in it for you. You know, I think we, we, we purchase benefits. So you have to create, you got to get creative and give people incentive, give them benefits to order from you. And again, Doug, it sounds like what you're doing is you're realizing the difference between ordering from yourself and a third party. And you're explaining that difference and saying you're saving this money when you order from us. And on top of that, we're going to give you not just points when you order from us, but because you're showing your loyalty to us, we're going to double those points with your loyalty program. And I think that's huge adding value like that. One, one other thing I'm really curious about before we get into the, the last convert or the last topic for today's conversation. One of the other benefits, I think, and one of the we have to educate is kind of like the, like, Hey, like we need to support small business, you know, and your, the, the, the channels through which you choose to spend your money really can go a long way in supporting small business. So how do you guys explain that to your customers without sounding like little whiny babies? Like, is there a way to do that where you're not begging and pleading, but it's, it's, you know, is there a way to come off that that doesn't sound too desperate? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure Toast came out with the campaign rally for restaurants, right? Back in, in early March or late March. Sounds uh, right. I think Kevin, if you're there, you can you can hop on and, and confirm that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that that's correct. That was us. Okay, so first off, hell of a job, Kevin. Um, I, I piggyback the heck off of that. And um, what I did socially actually too was I took Toast's idea for Rally for Restaurants, and I applied that hashtag to every image that I put out there for almost 60 straight days. Um, and I really ingrained it in, in not only our guests, but our, our staff too. So when we were when we were taking to-go orders over the phone or when people were coming in, um, we had TVs that are on the sides of registers that said, thank you for supporting us, Rally for the Restaurants. And so 
I think being able to take something like that and letting it, um, people recognize that, you know, we're fighting together against this pandemic. Um, no one likes it. We all hate it. But because of you, we're getting through it. And I, I, I try to make that connection with our guests as much as we can. Um, and I, th- I felt like that really works. So Kevin, kudos to you. Awesome. Thanks, Doug. It's great to hear that. I know the team is going to love to hear it as well. <laughs> Uh, any other final thoughts around getting people to shift away from third party and start using your uh, own you know, proprietary ways of, of ordering? Yes. I was going to mention something quick is that the new version of Toast, this came like a year ago or so, if correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, the new version of Toast to order online makes things so much easier. The old one, even as much as like we try to get people to, to join, it was a bit harder because it was not as intuitive to be able to use and I think the new graphic design that Toast provided in the, in the latest one has made it easier. So I'm really happy that, that that came through. Nice. Nice little extra props there. I love it. Uh, so if we're cool on this subject, I think we can start to wrap up the conversation. And finally, we're going to be talking about how to really extend that hospitality um, to the end user at home. And I feel like you can tell right now, I, I do a free format podcast. So I feel like we might've alluded to this earlier and I get sidetracked, but it's totally worth bringing it back to the surface. So Doug, what are some of the things you're doing to really extend that hospitality um, beyond your four walls and into the homes of your people that you're, you're serving? Um, before that, um, we mentioned doing the bag stuffers. So doing thank you notes associated with that. But one thing I wanted to say that kind of gave personal, we did a lot of giveaways too. Um, not, not just to the, to the folks that are on the front lines, um, but we, we try to reward our, our uh, customers as much as possible, whether it was uh, we, we team, teamed up with partners of ours to do um, big smoker and barbecue giveaways um, and or working with um, local news uh, outlets to do giveaways for things. Um, I just think it's important to, you know, you, we, have, we have the ability of, we all know that we have the ability of giving gift cards away. And every person, specifically Americans, love free crap. So the more that you're able to, uh, if you want to drive awareness and stuff to your social platforms and thank your guests, do do a $50 gift card giveaway or $100 gift card giveaway and make them make them engage with you and make them, you know, share your post or, or tag five friends or, you know, making, making sure that they're commenting and every single comment, is, you know, is an individual person and, and um, each one is a tag and, you know, after a while that dominoes and, you know, you're going to have such a cool growth. Now don't do it every week, do it once a month or something like that, but that will, that will slowly keep people, um, you know, following you, but also keep them engaged with you with this whole, um, you know, I I say this whole mess that we're in, but you know, the whole COVID time. So that's, that's one thing I would recommend doing often. Yeah. And just hearing you talk, makes me think of the advice I got from Keith Richards, who's the founder of uh, Tzatziki's out of Alabama, um, Birmingham, Alabama. And he said, never give away cash, never give away other things. Whenever you're giving anything away to anybody or donating anything, always make it your food. Use those opportunities to put your food into the mouths of other people. Always donate in the form of food or always give in the form of food. And I feel like you're reinforcing that, that, that thought right now. Is it safe to say? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say other other than the fact of teaming up with with our, our partners to do the, the grills and, and and whatnot. I mean, I think every restaurant has this ability to be unique in themselves, and yeah. I think for us, because we're a barbecue establishment, people know that we cook our food barbecue wise. Why not do a barbecue element so that people could then also enjoy 
our food again the next day on the barbecue or, you know, do it themselves because of our take-home kits. So I, I just, I mean, there's plenty of ways to, to do it. I think you just need to find your own specific, you know, success niche and, and do it. I love it. I love it. And Josh, go ahead. I was going to chime in here. It, it, my my fellow panelists may disagree with me on this, but we have, it has been tempting when uh, when times are lean to run, to run discounts and to run, um, you know, 25% offs and certainly the third party delivery folks, they're going to, they're hitting my inbox all the time wanting me to do a BOGO or, or, or something else. And we have resisted for years. And especially during this time, we, we have said our price is our price. And we believe that we're charging a fair price for a, for a, a from scratch uh, properly cooked and delicious meal. And that's what we need to charge. And at a time when so many restaurants are experiencing price increases on their, on your cost side for PPE, for labor and reduced revenue. Just be careful about, um, about maintaining the integrity of your price point. And because that's something that you're going to need when the pandemic's over and on an ongoing basis as we all anticipate some costs, some of these higher costs to continue. I love that. And I would support that sentiment. Um, Curious if Bruno or Doug had different thoughts. Or sorry, Candice has joined us. Candice, if you have different thoughts, feel free to jump in as well. We're just happy you made it. Thanks for being uh, here. There was a snafu and I guess, uh, yeah, Eastern time and another <laughs> crisis at work today both messed me up. So we I, can all relate to crises at work. So uh, I'm sure deeply you... apologize. <laughs> so but, do you want to add to that, Candice? Um, about having the fair prices and... Yeah, I mean, would you just support that that notion that you should not be budging from your prices if, you know... I agree. I, we have a, a market also, and uh, we had to, every day had real steals was what we call them, like tuna Tuesday and all that kind of stuff. And when the pandemic started, we were like, we're going to just stop that. So we, and we did. And people at first were like, oh, what? And, and it, at this point, most of our customers have come along and been like, yeah, at this time I get why you're not going to give away like half of your you know, every day on Tuesday, I give away $300 when you shouldn't. So yeah. I think I agree with that. I, I, I'm doing less discounts and more just loyalty and like creating a, you know, following for a reason to, uh, you know, they appreciate us. Therefore, once in a while, they'll get a discount if they're in the loyalty rewards with toast or something like that. But in terms of, yeah, just discounting because we need more business I even tried that in the summer for outdoor cafe, like five or $10 off. And nobody really, it was just, I think most people are coming along with the, uh, not a deep discounting in the restaurants right now and we all need it. So. Yeah. I love that. And, um, before we wrap up, I, I do remember from a previous conversation, uh, Josh, you were doing something you call the hood drop. So back to this, this, the core conversation around how we're extending, how we're continuing to extend hospitality, how we're continuing to show up with that love. What is a door? What is a, a hood drop? Explain that to us. I can't take credit for the the idea. Our our friends at Shook in DC came up with the idea, but a hood drop is where a group of families or a group of folks in an office building all it's typically families and they all place an order for a specific time and a drop off. And we advertise these. We went out to our network of friends and, and really great customers and 
people we used to work with. We said, hey, will you organize a hood drop for your neighborhood? And typically the drop off was at about 5.30 p.m. So folks will order. We would open an, a, an online ordering portal for, for days in advance, typically seven days. And then our crew, when, they're, when it's typically not, not really busy in the kitchen at two o'clock on a Tuesday, they start preparing and getting ready this hood drop. I roll out of there at 4.45 with hot food and then show up to the clubhouse. And people literally just drive by in their vehicles and I'm handing them their bags as they come through. It was not uncommon for us to have 40 families order at a single clubhouse in a neighborhood. It got me out of the building. It got us out in, in, uh, in front of those folks and allowed us to deliver the food a little closer. It was fun for them. So um, just, just another way to, to get the food out and to utilize some time in the restaurant where we were typically not as busy. Yeah. Um, so that covers all the topics we were set out to discuss today, but because Candace was able to come back um, and join the conversation, I do want to jump back to our, our earlier topic around menu management and how we've evolved our menus. And Candace, one thing that I know you do that didn't come out of our conversation with the other three panelists is I know prior to COVID-19, you were selling food by volume, by weight. Um, how was that served you? So like, I feel like that's a really unique way um, to sell your, your food, especially during the pandemic. Why limit people to a specific setting? Like when you could, you know, when you could order five pounds of lasagna, mm-hmm. you know, like why limit them to two pounds of lasagna? So like, how has that served you taking that approach to, to charging by way? And how have you been implementing toast in order to do that? Um, yeah, we were lucky. Um, Again, I sincerely apologize that I wasn't here earlier. We're just happy I'm you're here now. <laughs> so embarrassed, and it's the it's the, it's every day. It just amazes me when I wake up <laughs> these days that are not going smoothly. Anyway, so um, but yes, we are. We're lucky we had the market and the cafe. So in terms of we used to do catering more than we do now, we do takeout uh, prepared foods, and I think the what was great about. Um, uh, toast was their ability to obviously sell online, but we start, we have two separate kinds of menus. You know, we have, uh, the larger, uh, cold food amounts that they heat up at home. And then obviously the made to order ones like a pasta bolognese or something that is delivered hot or sort of hot. So with the weighing stuff, definitely people, um, have come around to try and, or, you know, it's helped us they order more at a time. And then, and then that's obviously good for us. We, um, we feel we've increased our sales a little bit in that it doesn't make up for the zero dining and all of that, but it certainly helps. Um, and, and doing it by the weight. Um, it's interesting. We just did a new, uh, comfort combo meals. That's what we call ours. Um, we, we edited the one we had done in, in April, uh, now that the indoor dining's closed in Illinois and um, we are adding, we don't necessarily say how much it's going to serve. I feel like we've always been different than some people who say family meal barbecue serves five, you know, and some other people that's great, but we've always been, here's, you know, two pounds of, stew. And if you have a teenager or you have three babies, you know, it really depends on what you have in your home. So we, all of our, 
experts and our retail clerks are good at helping people understand how much it might serve. But that's been really good for us to just say, here's this amount, here's a $35 thing. You could serve two people, you could serve one big eater. And, um, and then we have, you know, the scale with toast and we are able to scan it. Um, if they shop in store with our UPC codes or SKUs, but if they buy it online, we have to make a little bit of a guess how much exactly things are because they, a piece of lasagna can be different or whatever. So we, it's been great to integrate that into online ordering, which we didn't do before the pandemic. So we have both, both kinds of things. We have frozen sauces, things like that. Um, so yeah, it's, I think I answered you had several no, you did. questions in there, but it's definitely yeah. um, interesting to see how many people are doing the family meals. I pay attention to all the competitors around and what their um, their larger format meals are. Um, but it was really nice that we had already been doing it. So uh, beautiful. Awesome. So I think that wraps up everything we were set out to discuss today. Uh, Special thanks again to our panelists. Thank you so much to everybody for joining, (laughs) to our attendees, to our amazing, amazing panelists. I learned so much from all of you guys in this time. Um, We didn't end up getting to our Q&A because everybody had too much good stuff to say. But hopefully we can answer some of these questions in future articles on our website on the line. Um, So you can subscribe to that. Uh, Just Google Toast on the line and you'll find it. Um, And if you're interested in finding more about Toast products, you can just scan with your smartphone on the left side. And if you're already a Toast customer, but you're interested in things like online ordering or pay at the table, you can use your smartphone to scan the next one. We'll leave this up for the next couple of minutes uh, just as we wrap up. But that's that's it. Thank you, everybody. Thanks again for uh, taking the time, Eric. Thank you. You killed it. You killed it, per usual. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm never surprised. You're awesome. Thank you so much, you guys. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, everybody. Have a great one. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks again to Toast POS for inviting me to moderate your panel. And again, special thanks for letting me repurpose this content on my platform. Again, the power of collaboration, the power of win-win situations and knowing that you're stronger together and leaning on all of the the, the collective assets of a group. So powerful. And, um, because I agreed to do this collaboration, I got exposure to Toast's audience. Hundreds, if not thousands of people in the restaurant industry uh, joined us live during this this uh, this webinar, this live panel, and they're going to post it on their platform. So I'm getting incredible exposure. They're getting a moderator, and they're, they're letting me repurpose this content uh, on my platform, and again, further promoting what Toast is doing over there. Uh, incredible things with making online ordering and delivery uh more streamlined and accessible to small businesses. And again, Toast is by far the most recommended POS on the show. And they say that success leaves a trail and it leaves a a, a string of breadcrumbs behind it, right? And all I'm doing is picking up those breadcrumbs and following the the trail and spotlighting up, you know, just putting a light 
on this trail so you guys can expedite the process of getting to where you need to be to be successful in your business. And like that's what's happening today. And again, um, if you are interested in Toast, uh, they have been incredibly supportive to me and Restaurant Unstoppable. And I'm splitting my commission with you, the restaurant owner. If you're interested in, in leveraging Toast in your business, make sure you join the network. When you join the network, um, I'm hooking you guys up with the people that I know, the people that are rec- being recommended on the show. And I'm going to get you the best deals out there. And I'm splitting my commission with the network. So if we're specifically the person who's buying the POS, so if you want Toast POS, join the network, reach out to me, let me know. I will be, I will personally get you scheduled for a demo and you'll get that $1,000 check in the mail from me when you convert to a Toast customer. It's the best deal out there that I know of, plus the incentives of just being one of my leads. Um, those incentives are changing often, so I don't want to list them here, but there, there's the Toast incentives. And then on top of that, once I get paid, I'm sending you a check for $1,000. You can't beat it. So join the network, get Toast, and be a part of the evolution and the change. And um, that's it for today. Thanks for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.